You're listening to the 50 by 50 podcast for the young at heart woman who is looking to get the most out of life as she steps up to 50 and beyond. Hey there, it's Rochelle Marie. Welcome to this episode of the 50 by 50 podcast, where we are talking with the amazing Sarah Leather today. Welcome to the 50 by 50 podcast, Sarah. Thank you, Rachel. I'm so pleased to be here. (laughs) It's exciting to have you. I'm looking forward to our big conversation. Um, So those of you that listened to the last interview that I did with Donna will know that I did post a um, little pitch in postcards from midlife and Sarah got in touch with me through that and uh, she is actually from a bit closer to home and that is WA although in saying that uh, she's not really so <laughs> we'll we'll get into that in a minute um, but Sarah uh, Sarah yes I'm getting confused now um, let me know I'd love to know just a little bit about who you are as you see yourself right now at this point of your life? Such a great question. I am 56 and I'm really, really proud to be 56. And I love the, what, you know, everything that this age has. It's not easy, but it's amazing. Mm. And who am I now? I am... Someone that is sort of like, I I often say that I'm older and bolder at this age, and I am definitely, definitely wiser as well from all the things that I've, I've experienced and been through. And I'm really enjoying the post-menopausal phase of estrogen kind of leaving the building so much more and estrogen being you know like I worked in I worked in the health arena for at least over 25 years and Mm -hmm. dealt a lot with women and hormones and uh, what what I really see at this age of sort of from mid-40s onwards really with most women is uh the decreasing is estrogen, estrogen being the care, one of the caring, nurturing hormones, and just we give less Fs basically, and that's definitely what I feel. Is like I, I feel like finally, my need to be a people pleaser and look after everybody is dwindling, and there's so much liberation in that, and I really see it as a time that our bodies are screaming at us to stop worrying about everybody else put yourself first and that's why like even like you hinted about like I am from Western Australia I am from Perth uh, but I haven't been here for three and a half years and I'm finally here after six seven maybe eight cancelled flights over the Mm -hmm. last two years during COVID haven't seen my mum for that amount of time she's we missed her 80th birthday 81st birthday and I'm hoping to be here for her 82nd birthday and it's been a very long journey getting here but I'm absolutely thrilled and I've actually given myself permission to be here for two months whereas before I would have been here for like two weeks I would have come over here had a week of jet lag and rushed around and seen everybody and then tried to see some people a second time and then back to Ireland back to my practice back to jet lag again on the other side but this time I'm just like it's taking me so long to get here I am staying for as long as it takes <laughs> to be here and it's uh and that is a sign of my this age and stage of my life as well I'm going like yes I know that like 
my husband might miss me a little bit. My beautiful <laughs> dog will probably miss me more. Um, and she's acting a little bit weird at the moment. She's a uh, she's a beautiful black lab. She's a breeding guide dog. So she makes puppies that become oh, guide dogs, which yeah. is amazing. But yeah. she's just been really hormonal since I left, but she'll be okay. My husband takes amazing care of her. And, and got four kids sort of scattered around Ireland and, and Europe. And, yeah, it's, it's just really a time of my life, really, I think, to give myself permission to do what I really want to do and still running my business and doing all the things, but actually giving myself time to like have every, every morning off and go for a walk and a swim uh, before I think about like, who needs, who needs my help today? Yeah. Who, what clients need my help? What relatives need my help or whatever? I'm just thinking that what, what help do I need to give myself today? And that's so liberating after all these years of doing everything for everybody. Mm, mm, that sounds amazing. Um, I'm I'm interested uh, that you talked about estrogen sort of leaving your body after menopause and that allowing you to not need to be as caring, as nurturing as we are um, both hormonally doing and raised often by society and parents to do. Uh, because I had never equated really, I, I think I'd equated age with um, the, the DGAF, <laughs> the don't give a F sort of experience, um, which I'm definitely, I, I feel like I am moving into or have been in that stage for a couple of years now and don't think I've been through menopause yet. I, I feel like I'm in perimenopause, definitely not in menopause. Um, so do you think that there's, there's sort of like, do you equate both with it? Or um, is it, you know, what, what was your experience of that? Was it kind of a gradual thing or um, purely, do you think hormonal related? Um, I think it's, I, I suppose, because I've studied hormones so much that I recognize it. And I see, I see the changes in menopause as, you know, like a little bit, a little bit similar to changes in other stages of our lives like in as a teenager mm -hmm. and then during pregnancy and stuff mm -hmm. and like when we're pregnant like our brain goes into our uterus really and and <laughs> when I first heard one of my friends who got pregnant sort of years before the rest of us telling us that she put the washing you know she turned on the washing machine and one day she forgot to put the washing laundry detergent in there and we just all looked at her as if she had two heads and then another time she said she forgot to put the clothes in there and they're, they're just like what is wrong with her she must be losing her mind and then when we all got pregnant we all realized oh yeah that's really normal um and now in menopause it's kind of like very similar as well you know com completely forget really random things mm. and that's the way it's kind of meant to be uh it's, it worries a lot of women at the beginning thinking like oh my goodness am I, <laughs> am I developing some kind of dementia or something because I don't forget I forget things but again it's our brain making us focus on what's the most important time thing in our in our lives during pregnancy it's so we focus on the baby yeah. du uh, during menopause and it doesn't matter if it starts in perimenopause and goes all the way through like you go for like 40 to 65 you know it's a big chunk of our lives right and it's uh it is our body's way of just trying to say like you think about you stop thinking about all the other things so the things you forget you probably don't need you know it's um it might be a bit frustrating but it's just our bodies are trying to get our attention yeah and i see that really as gifts of menopause i think mm -hmm. menopause isn't something that needs to shut us down and define us and i think the um 
the, the, you know, society, the patriarchy have, have, have defined us as just you go sit quietly in the corner over there mm. and fan yourself and, and you can come out again when you're going to act normal like the rest of us. And instead, I think it can be used as such a superpower yeah. for us. Yeah. And it's uh, and, and it can be really challenging because, you know, um, we are now considered the, uh, you know, it is it is such an opportunity for us to actually think about what's important. And it's it's not a time where we, you know, need to shrivel up and be quiet and not not speak our minds. I really see it as a time that we have. Uh, we're at a bit of a crossroads and we really get to decide what is it we really want for this next age and stage of our lives. And we are, as I said, like a bit of that sandwich generation that we've, you know, traditionally when we're once we we're in our 50s, you know, centuries ago, uh, kids were kids were definitely like women had children in their late teens and early 20s so kids were like women were grandmothers by the time they were 50 yeah. before. Whereas now some of our kids what like some some women in their 50s have still got quite young children mm -hmm. uh quite still got quite young families because mm -hmm. people women are having babies older these days mm -hmm. um and and very often there's aging parents to take into consideration mm -hmm. as well or maybe some family member that needs help and everything so we are this generation now of being sandwiched between still mining even if our children aren't young I've got four kids in their 20s and they are all amazing and they're all independent but they all need some kind of support financial emotional mostly financial and emotional actually, <laughs> if I'm honest physically they're all good they all take care of themselves they wash themselves and cook for themselves and everything it's great but you know financially and emotionally there is still quite a lot of support needed there and sometimes logistically when they're making big life changes and stuff mm -hmm. as well and they need kind of shepherding through those times and so we can be we can really find ourselves still in that caring role mm. but I really believe we can really care and support other people around us but we put ourselves first you know, the old the oxygen mask kind of analogy, I think it's really, or the, you know, make sure that your cup is full all the time and that everybody else is drinking from the saucer and you're the cup, <laughs> you keep the cup full. And it is a time that we have to think about self-care. We have to think about continually replenishing ourselves. Otherwise, and I saw it when I was, I was originally a nurse and I saw it so many times. I actually did a TEDx talk about a patient when I was 21 and this woman was 51 um, and her name was Maria and she was, she was basically dying of cancer and she'd never got, you know, never got married, never had kids, never, um, uh, no, she got married, she hadn't kids, uh, which is fine, but she had just lived for her job and then she realised she'd never really followed her dreams, never asked, and she she just looked at me not long before she died and she made me, like I sat down next to her on her bed and she held my hand and 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 she just told me to be brave and to be bold and that, that dreams matter, our dreams matter, and just to go after whatever we want. And it was really powerful and I can see when I did that TEDx talk, I was her age, I was 51 when I did it, when, mm -hmm. and at the same age that she she was when she died mm. um, and I think so many women just are I don't want to say doormats but you know that that kind of just like being trodden on by everybody else yeah. and think that it's wrong like I like when I 
when I go to older women's funerals or and and here like she was so good so looking after everybody else all the time she'd always do everything for everybody and I always want to scream at that point going like what about her (laughs) what did she really want did she actually ever do what she really wanted and maybe she did Maybe she did. Yeah. But I always think about my mother-in-law, who was a fabulous woman. Uh, she lived well into her, her 80s and had an incredible life. Her, and her children speak so highly of her. Um, but we have a photo on in, in our kitchen of her in this beautiful probably 1940s dress that was she looked very glamorous and she was standing outside with about 100 men in suits all around her and it was her last day at work the day before she got married and at that time in Ireland and it was in a lot of countries as well that the day you get married the day you stop working unless you do something that no man wants to do (laughs) nurses like nursing yeah yes and some teachers not all teachers but many teachers were allowed to keep working but nuns were allowed to keep being nuns but then they didn't get married um but it's uh it it really was like she had no choice and Mm. what if she hadn't wanted to have a family or wanted I mean those days there was no contraception either so they actually didn't get any choice over what kind of how big their family was and lots Mm. of them had very large families Mm. way more I always say look my neighbor is one of 17 children his mother had 17 children I'm like that's far too much for any uterus to endure and she only she died actually during COVID and she was in her 90s she was a remarkable woman but like women we didn't get the choice then but we we have those choices now and I think we really have the opportunity to to decide how do we want this next next chapter of our lives to be I mean the reality is for many of us like we're may only may be halfway through we may yes. be two-thirds of the way through we may be nine-tenths of the way through we don't know yeah. but many women will only at 50 many women will only be sort of just at halfway point in their lives mm-hmm. it certainly isn't time to just sit quietly in the corner as far as I'm concerned <laughs> there yeah. is so much opportunity to do and it doesn't mean like I I help women build highly profitable businesses and that's not what everybody wants um some women cannot wait to retire from their job and and do their life which is wonderful but you know I I think it is it is such an opportunity to really check in with ourselves about what we want and it can be a really messy time as well and I think a glorious messy time and around maybe even reinventing ourselves into this next version of ourselves and who we want to be and the first I've studied the whole process of reinvention and it's it's first of all it's everything has to break down it's a bit like the the cycle of the butterfly you know it becomes it starts off with you know the chrysalis really like it's bug soup to begin with it's it's really really messy before before the next stage the next stage way before the butterfly like spreads its wings and flies there's there's a lot of mess beforehand yeah and that's okay yes we we understand that yeah I think you 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 get to realize when I think the good part is when you've been through it a few times you get to realize when you're in the middle of it now that there's good stuff coming even when you're in the middle of it you can recognize okay this is the soup as you called it the bug soup uh so I know that on the other side of this there's good stuff coming so um yeah I I don't dislike it anymore as much as I I used to dread it but yeah now it's actually not that bad um I just wanted to go back to uh the the people pleasing and they're not people pleasing I'm really curious as to how 
the other parties of your life dealt with that shift in you? Did they notice and was there any rebellion going on when you went from taking care of everybody and doing all the things to, hey, it's my time, I'm going to take care of myself. And I note that you, you know, you're still looking after them in some ways, but was there a shift and did they notice? There was a shift. It probably has been noted. Uh, I think I used to do some things just to keep myself. Like wine would have been the biggest thing that I do, and I think a lot of a lot of women do that of having a couple of glasses every evening to to just bring everything down and to uh, to behave ourselves. You know, to uh, to not speak out too much or <laughs> whatever. And um, and I stopped that. I stopped drinking, and I uh, I stopped and start for many years from perimenopause on because that, like, for a lot of us, our livers can't handle it, and we just feel like I just felt so awful mm. after drinking. But we can also, it's a bit like premenstrual times as well. We can kind of crave it, and then it makes us feel terrible. So yeah. it's like a, it's a lose lose situation, really. Yes. And uh, for and and really looking for me, it was really examining what does actually bring me joy does this really you know societies like women are marketed to so much around alcohol too you know we must do this to enjoy ourselves but I think it's one way that we are kept quiet and I think that uh yeah but it's sort of it was kind of noticed but one interesting thing that happens in relationships and I've this year I'm married 33 years so mm -hmm. it's you know I've been with my husband a long time yeah and what the thing is with men, like with women, their estrogen is decreasing, but with men, it's actually increasing a yeah. little bit and their testosterone is dropping and ours is raising. So they actually become a little bit more domestic most of the time. Like you see men having, you know, having a young partner and being delighted. I always think of like Rod Stewart or someone like that who at 65 has his baby and as happy as anything. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm sure he's got help to care for the baby mm -hmm. and his wife and his young wife but you know like men very often do they want to be around their grandkids all the time I'm not saying that women don't but women will be like yep lovely grandchildren go on off you go now and uh whereas men will be like so men can get a little bit more domestic and want to sort of fuss around the house maybe a little bit more as when the women just want to go meet their friends for coffee uh so I think you know, if we embrace nature as we go, we will, you know, there, there is less of a less of a battle there with everybody. I think it's around having having good boundaries in place. And I think when you when you're not doing something from a people pleasing point of view, because what I realized, I realized this through through doing um, sort of some really high level coach certification. And it's it's it's, it's that people pleasing is actually manipulating people because you're trying to change the way they behave you're trying to make people like you yes. and so I stopped once I really realized that and stopped trying to make people like me and just decided well that's their decision I decide who I like everybody else can decide who they like or don't like and I know I can really like somebody one day and really not like them the next day so thought people will think like that about me as well yeah. and we do not need everybody to like us and I realized I'm way more of an intro introvert than I than I ever thought I was as well and I really don't want a lot of people around me mm. a lot of the time mm. so I'm like why am I trying to people please to make people like me to be around me when I actually want to be on my own <laughs> like that's just really silly so <laughs> instead so instead, I'm just like, 
so if I if I uh, like I'm not doing the people pleasing thing and people are not sort of really loving being around me nearly so much that's not a bad thing (laughs) (laughs) okay I can see how this is uh this is this is really useful Mm -hmm. and and yeah, and the pandemic as well being like we were in lockdown in Ireland for so, so, so long and not around anybody for so long. And it's just like it was a really good, it sort of all happened together. But mm-hmm. there were some things like we regularly throughout the year used to have big family occasions at our house. Like we would invite all the relations over with all their kids and stuff in Ireland and there's a lot of them. And there'd be 15 20 for maybe a late lunch on a Saturday or Sunday and I'd spend three days beforehand getting ready for that and we'd be cleaning the house and we'd be going I'd be cooking all the big pots of food and they all love their food and everything which is wonderful they're great to prepare for and like Ireland doesn't have the like bring your own culture like you have in Australia where, right. you know, we're throwing on the barbecue bring along your meat or bring a salad I think you kind of do it you, they would bring things but it would be it, it's very you would still it would be a lot of work yeah. and uh and and they do it as well and it was and and it would be lovely but I realized through the pandemic and not doing it this like and there was one or two times when we just met in a park for like a my uh you know sister-in-law's son's baby uh first birthday or something and everybody just turned up when they wanted to and there was a like outdoor cafe you only got to take away coffee yeah. and everyone just stood around and the kids were all chatting the cousins got to see that all at university all got to see each other and everything I thought oh, this is so much easier yes. can come when we want the kids can come when they want they can leave when they want if they if it doesn't suit them to come they don't have to be there and I was like this beats three days preparation hands down and it really so it it I think it went hand in hand that sort of not having to launch in there and do everything to um to with the, with with the pandemic and it being kind of away from people a lot and so now and I've been saying to my husband I've got to think very carefully about next time we do something like that and I'm going to do it when I really want to yes and when I've really got the energy for it yeah. and I'm probably going to do it in a different way mm. and I think every and if I'm okay about that well then everybody else will be okay about mm. it mm. yeah so mm. yeah people do notice but they're also also um I think it's all okay because if I do things from the right intention you know it used to happen when I had very small children and I realized like I was always either working or doing housework or looking after the kids or something for somebody and so I started like just on Sunday morning saying like, oh, after breakfast on Sunday, I'm, I'm just going to go out for a walk by myself. And one of the kids would go like, can I ride my bike? And I was like, no, I go by myself. I won't be long. I'll be back in a while. They'd be like, oh, can I come? And they're like, no, I'm going by myself. My husband would be like, well, you could take one of them, not all four. And no, I'm going by myself. <laughs> and after a few weeks, the kids started saying like, mom, you finish breakfast, go for your walk. Yeah. And sometimes I would be gone for like two hours. I go for a very long walk. Yeah. Or, and then I started training for, I did, I ran my first half marathon on my 45th birthday. And that was just a great time of just getting out the door and just being by myself, sticking music in my ears and going out and being like, I'm not a fast runner. So it would take me a long time to do that, like <laughs> 20 kilometer run or something. Awesome. So it's, it's been, it's been a kind of gradual stage, but I know the biggest pushback is always from myself, not from anybody else. Yeah. 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 That's awesome. I love that. Um, 
congratulations on doing a half marathon I think that's a huge achievement so three, three of them yeah I'm, I may do I'm a full one of these days I oh, may do a full okay. good luck <laughs> <laughs> I did my first 5k charity run this weekend uh since I was about I don't know before children I think the last time I did one I was in my early 20s so um and I I would be thrilled with doing a 5k run I'd be thrilled. delighted if I could actually get over that distance yeah <laughs> it was fun it was fun um okay so I know that when we get to this stage of life there's a there's been a long journey to get us here with lots of twists and turns um, but I think we can look back and see one or two points that if they hadn't have happened, we wouldn't be who we were today. And so I'm just wondering if you can identify, you know, one or two of those sort of pieces of your life that have fundamentally shaped who you are today. The biggest one that comes to mind, the only one that really comes to mind right now is losing my bestie, losing um, my, my Australian bestie, as I call it, because I've got Irish besties too. But um, Alison, who was very, very, very dear for when our, when our kids were young in Perth and we worked in the same hospital, our kids were sort of the same age, so and our husbands both worked shift work, so every day she'd like, you coming to mine or am I coming to yours? And we'd cook, as far as our kids ever eat pasta. We just used to boil pasta and pour some sauce over the top of it <laughs> and, we'd have, and we'd have a glass of wine that would be in the paddling pools or in the pools or whatever and yeah. just we just like for years we were just like uh just we just did everything together we went on holidays before we had kids we went on holidays together and and when we had kids we met them in France on holidays and we went to Bali together and um and you know she got when she was uh, when she was 49 she got she got stage four breast cancer and uh, she lived until she was I, I my husband and I flew back just as she was um just as she was she was dying and it was um it was really really tough and she was she was only 54 so when I turned 55 people go like oh don't you hate being 55 and I'm like no not everybody gets to 55 yeah. and when I turn 56 I'm just like I always think every day I think you know and when when I put my name down to run a full marathon now it's been cancelled about five times because because of COVID which is just as well because I do not have I have I have not anywhere near that it's in September now this year but I, I always think like Alison doesn't get to do this and I get you know and and lost other friends as well and it's just like you know not everybody gets to be this age mm. and it is uh it's it's such a privilege I think to be able to be to be well and mm. you know when people say to me why are you running like wouldn't you rather be doing something else like no because I can because yeah. I can I'm doing this and uh it's you know that really does make so much difference to me is is um is knowing um that we just we just don't know we just don't know when and I went through the other thing was suppose when I went through a bit of a you know I've been through a few different kind of health crises over the years but there was one time about actually it was the year that that Alison got diagnosed as well and I had um, I'd had quite a few skin changes and I eventually one of them got I'd had lots of lots of molds and stuff removed and one of them on my upper leg was a was a melanoma and I had the big huge chunk taken out of my leg the wider reception and 
then a few months later, I got um, sort of these lumps sort of uh, in both sides on my groin and one in my chest that I could just feel this lump under the skin. And, uh, and I went to the doctor, sent me to the, um, to the uh, Professor Redmond, so he would be the, the melanoma and sarcoma sort of professor. He was on holidays. I had to wait 10 days to, till mm. he got back. I nearly crashed my car on the way to the appointment my sister was an oncology nurse at the time and she's like she was kept saying like I'm trying to think oh, there must be something else there's something else besides like and one of my nursing friends actually had uh, had a melanoma when um when her she was pregnant with her second child and she died when that child was four mm. and uh she we lived in the nursing quarters together we used to have a each together and and all I could think of was her and other people I'd worked in an alternative cancer clinic so I'd seen so many people die from melanoma and that's what they'd get you know a few months afterwards they'd get some kind of lump somewhere and then that would be it mm. uh it would normally be a year 18 months later before when when they were dying and that's all I could that's all that was in my brain yeah. at the time and I went I went in and saw him he said look I'm really not quite sure I don't think it's too sinister but look I'm I'm going to ring my he had a, a consultant that did uh, basically did ultrasounds and stuff and he said I'm going to see can she can she fit you in today and then she decided to stay there at her lunchtime and and went over and I had to wait I'd sit there for an hour waiting to go in and see her to have the scan and and, and at that time, I just made myself so many promises that if this is okay, I'll, I'll never eat rubbish again. I'll drink a whole bottle of wine again. I promise. I promise. I'll never talk nastily to myself ever again. I'll never yell at my kids again. And I made this. I actually wrote down this list. I must find it. I, I've actually made a video of it for my for my clients. After that, I must go and find it because it just. I just had this list of things that I promised myself afterwards. <laughs> And I went to, and it turned out I had this completely different thing called Birkin's disease, which is where you get all these kind of growths. She said you must have been completely freaking out, and um, and uh, and so it was. It, it was all good, but it was just like, oh my god! Like when you see your life go before your eyes, and uh, like that, and think like, oh, I'll never have a bad thought again. I promise. I promise. <laughs> but no, turns out I've just got a normal human brain that still keeps acting like a normal human brain, and yeah. So the other things really the personal health thing and 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 losing Alison I think are the are the, the real things that um that have helped to reframe really the way that I see this this time mm. of my life uh and I just I'm just like yeah there are times when like I've been I've there was a time would be it was just before the pandemic and I was sitting in my office and I was meant to be going to a networking meeting and I was speaking for about 10 minutes on I was the lead mentor for the the the, the Irish mentoring uh, group and I sort of headed up the, the national mentoring group and I was just going to talk about that for 10 minutes which I could do in my sleep I couldn't get out of the chair I was absolutely frozen with uh, with fear and anxiety and um and just, I just, got, I sent a message saying I wasn't feeling well, I was going to go home. Um, and I just sat there, I think, for about three hours and looked out the window and didn't do anything. The next day I made an appointment with my doctor and I went the day after that. 
And I said, I think it's, it feels very much like when I had kind of undiagnosed postnatal depression after two of my four kids that I felt really low for a year or two mm. after having them. Uh, and I think a lot of it stemmed to sort of not dealing with grief of miscarriages and all sorts of stuff, just loads, big hormonal stuff. Mm. And and uh, and she said, because of my health history, the melanoma, but plus a big thing with my renal arteries and blood pressure and stuff, she said, look, I can't give you HRT. Um, I'm still not actually sure if that's absolutely true, but at the time it was fine. She said, but I can give you something else. You can't like this one of the family antidepressants that do, you know, that will really help you. And I'm just like, well, I can't. And I realised it had been coming on probably since my perimenopausal days, probably for about five years. I realised like there's so many times that I that I'm trying to do some marketing and I just don't post. I just don't hit the send button. I just don't send the email. I don't reach out to somebody about something, and I just hide basically. And 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 I thought, yeah, I'll try. And I did. Like I did feel much better for about three months, and then I didn't feel really any different. So I stopped taking them after that, and then started really working on myself, working with a therapist, working, uh, working on so many levels, having a lot of coaching, really looking at my diet, and getting more exercise, and. And really looking at the wine thing as well, because I felt like that was, yeah, wine actually caused a lot of anxiety and depression. Um, and, uh, and sort of, you know, and I know I still go through stages of that and I really see it in my business. And that's why my, my main work in my business is actually helping women to market when they just would rather hide under a rock. Yeah. And <laughs> I think it's uh, because I think in this stage, in perimenopause and menopause, it just can bring up so much emotional stuff. Yeah. And I know that uh, women who have resolved trauma before perimenopause and menopause uh, can usually manage symptoms with taking HRT, maybe taking antidepressants, maybe taking, maybe having, doing, you know, some, some good lifestyle changes and stuff. But women who have got unresolved trauma, once they come into menopause, it brings it all up. And basically the work has to be done. Otherwise, you know, it doesn't have to be done. You can just go and highly medicate yourself and just numb all the way through it. Yeah. You can drink all the way through it. You can eat chocolate all the way. Some women sort of really numb out with with chocolate and other things. And you know, like I've certainly, I've certainly done that. I, I, I still do sometimes. But it's, uh, it really is an opportunity to really look at ourselves and 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 work on all the stuff that needs to be working. And I think at this age and stage, we generally have a little bit more time. Uh, to yes. to do that stuff which when we've got a load of young kids you know you'd like it's very hard to carve out that time each week or each fortnight for yourself um, whereas as we get older we generally can say look no I'm going off to do this and this is important mm. and and it, it just I think it's it's it is a great time to to work on yourself and really mm. just move past those things and not let you know seven-year-old you hold you back when you're 47 or 57 yeah yeah with a whole lot of love basically <laughs> yeah yeah I, I think that's a really good message I think um you know both the the message or the or the um understanding that you have like the visceral understanding that you have now of how short life is and how you know you you it's up to you to make the most of it it's entirely within your control um and at the same time 
working out all of that stuff that we almost all go through. I don't know anyone yet that hasn't been through stuff that needs sorting out. Um, and I love the idea of the, the earlier you can start that, the better for your, for your mental health in the long term. Uh, so that, yeah, I think fantastic messages there on both counts. So thank you for sharing those stories. Um, I am sorry about your best friend, best Aussie friend. Um, I, you know, it would be extremely traumatic to go through something like that, particularly, uh, you know, going through it at a similar time yourself and the anxiety from that and then just the sadness and um, but also the I guess the inspiration that you took from it is um, you know that's amazing as well in itself so uh, yeah there's there's always lessons right there's always something that can come out of um, tough times and bad situations so congratulations on on taking that side of it um okay so Moving on to the next question, uh, what has been the most surprising thing for you about this stage of life? And that might be different for, for some people because you're a nurse and you've got, you know, you had quite a bit of insight coming up to this stage of life. But what surprised you? What weren't you expecting? Yeah, this is the, this is the tricky one, really. Uh, I don't, I wasn't really expecting the, the emotional problems nearly so much because mm -hmm. I suppose I've trained some, not just so much the nursing, but I was a naturopath for 25 years dealing with people's hormones and I was, and I've been working as a coach since I did my first coach certification in 2008 and I really understand the mind and thoughts and everything, but I think I still am surprised even eating healthily and doing being be, being healthy how much um, how much unraveling has happened <laughs> and uh, really how much uh, the you know emotions can can really be affected by it. Mm -hmm. um, I, as I've said, I don't think that's a bad thing, but I still have been quite surprised and 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 it's backed up by by studies as well that, that the biggest, like most people make an assumption that the biggest thing women have to deal with in, in menopause, perimenopause and menopause is that the physical changes that are, you know, there's like 58 of them or 65, depending on which, which report you read. But the biggest thing that affects women is lack of confidence, anxiety and depression. And those things, are, and, it, and it surprised me even though I, I had all that information. And I don't think it's lack of information that is creating, it's just, just these hormonal changes and just a lot of past stuff that comes to the surface and it's uh it really is uh I think I think for me it was always thinking like nothing I've got is that bad it's not a big deal it wasn't uh and there was something something happened and it, it was on there was something on the news one night a, a few months ago and it just it just brought up a lot of old old stuff for me. And I was having um, lunch with two of my two sort of closest friends in Ireland, and uh, and and one of them's a psychotherapist. And she said, and I and I said how I was reacting to certain situations and things. And she said, Sarah, that's PTSD. And uh, 
And I said, yeah, I think there's, yeah, I do, I do think there is. And I was just, I knew my nervous system was overreacting to so many things for no particular reason. And I, you know, I was, I, I, I just knew that I was, that, that there was some problems. And, and so I, you know, made an appointment with somebody and she said, oh, you've got, you've got complex PTSD. And I'm just like, yeah, I'm, lots of other people are way worse than me it's not a big deal I can manage it I'm totally functional and everything she goes yeah but you don't have to yeah yeah I'm going to have to do a lot of work but you don't have to feel like you're about to be arrested for something when you've done nothing wrong <laughs> you know like you don't have to be like physically jumping when somebody walks into the room as if I've actually just killed somebody when I yeah. haven't done a thing um a police car behind me and I nearly like have like and like just and, and, and that's something I'm really pleased I started to deal with that before coming back to Perth because Western Australia is just such a police state there are police everywhere they are trying to arrest you for everything like I touched my phone in the car the other day at, at traffic lights and mum said watch it watch it from you. you'll be arrested I'm just like I was just checking it I'm stopped I'm staying she goes no you can't touch your phone I'm like okay and I kind of know that I wouldn't normally even do it but it was just like okay what's next and it's, it's yeah and I, I I'm so pleased I decided to kind of roll up my sleeves sleeves and and do that work now and I know yeah. it's really going to benefit everybody else around me and but mostly me like it is like I don't have to just put up with that overreacting stressed out nervous system because I am perfectly functional yes. uh, but we're allowed to be more than just functional yeah yeah yeah, yeah. That's, that's such a good reminder I love it like I, I think we often feel guilty when we compare ourselves to others um, when we there is always someone worse off than us there's always someone better of off than us um, and so yeah not doing something because of yeah. that doesn't make sense yeah and I love what Brene Brown says that like comparative suffering is not useful for anybody no. on any level no and it's so true yeah whenever I hear somebody say like uh, oh but it'd be so much worse I could be so much worse yeah my mum's going through <laughs> like going through very traumatic uh, cancer treatment and she was kept saying like but there's other people much worse off please stop saying that yeah. that's not useful please, no. please stop what you're going through is really really hard yeah. can you just like just be like just very compassionate to yourself because yeah. you're doing so well yeah and it really is I mean I think self-compassion is is the way forward yeah. it really is I mean I say that in, in working with women in businesses like the self-compassion piece is so important yeah. really because I think women judge themselves so much they certainly do yeah. in the online space and in social media there's so much comparing there's so much taking themselves down taking others down and everything and it's it's just so unnecessary mm. and really we can you know love it's what my program is called wholehearted marketing because it's just like let's just do this with a wide open heart the way we are right now we don't need to be fixed we don't need to be cured there's nothing wrong there's nothing broken yes we can work on ourselves and yes things can be improved but everything is just as it's meant to be right now and can we just you know carry on and do 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 things the way that feels feels right for us with yeah. with a wide open heart with our vulnerability with everything else because there are people that need help that that all women that are working in the world can 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 help other people so they don't need to be you know we can all be a little bit messy and carry on with the work that we're doing yeah yes yeah, that's so so true 
um, I think just allowing our our feelings to be valid is a great first step. Um, and and like you said, yeah, just stepping out anyway without worrying about what anyone else is doing. Just concentrate on the people that you can help or you can you know interact with in a in a heartfelt way instead of worrying about am I am I good enough is you know I'm not doing as well as this person doesn't serve anyone yeah very right um okay last question what are you looking forward to the most right now what am I looking forward to the most would be well I just love being by the beach here and the water is just so lovely and (laughs) I'm just looking forward to my next swim. That's all. It's, and I just seen all those helicopters going over constantly for looking looking for sharks. There, are, there was another shark. Somebody was nudged by a shark last weekend, and it was just like nudged by a three point five meter great white shark. Nudged. Nope. <laughs> um, and uh, no, but I don't. I don't like. I think everything is such a choice, and the way we decide to see something. Because so many people said to me why are you going in the ocean there are sharks out there and I'm just like I swim every day when I'm in Perth I swim every day it is glorious it's absolutely glorious I always make sure there's lifeguards around I always always make sure there's lots of other people between me and any potential (laughs) dangers I I do not go off somewhere isolated and swim by myself as much as I would love to I don't that's that would be silly um uh but uh I just you know just really really enjoying the you know what is what is available to me really and uh at the moment that's the ocean that's seeing my family that's just being around some really amazing old friends and uh and just uh and just being so incredibly grateful that I get to do this mm-hmm. and that this has happened and that all the all the tears and all of the all of the COVID kilos are worth it to me <laughs> because with every flight cancellation I think I put on about three kilos every time <laughs> times that by seven flight cancellations and I'm just like even when I was on the plane flying over here I'm just like I can't believe I'm going I can't believe I'm actually doing it. and I couldn't even fly here to fly to Melbourne and, and be there for a week which was actually an amazing gift to spend a week in, in Melbourne by myself and uh, it was fantastic um, and uh, it's just like yeah whatever's coming next I'm looking forward to it I you know it. just just bring it on awesome and just, attitude. The, the, the sun could dial down the temperature a tiny bit but <laughs> that. that's what the beach is for right <laughs> that's what the beach is for yeah, you know, yeah. yeah definitely yeah. That's yeah. amazing. Um, okay, so I just before we leave and wrap up for this episode, let people know if they are interested in touching base with you about um, marketing businesses. Um, let people know where they can find you. Yes, I am. My website is thesarahleather.com. So uh, you can find me at all the the Sarah Leather everywhere on Facebook, on Instagram, on uh, Sarah Leather on LinkedIn. But uh, yeah, you can just pop along to my website and uh, and you can see there's loads of free stuff there and loads of really good stuff. So um, yeah, you can find me there very easily. And you can always just email me at admin at thesarahleather.com as well. And I will very happily uh steer i'm really happy to speak to any women or just point them in the right direction of where they they need to go if they're thinking of starting a business or they're growing a business or even at the scaling stage it's uh 
it's I'm really just happy I get so excited with helping women and just seeing them grow because like I spent 25 years working in in health or including nursing probably that's probably over 30 years and uh, and when anybody mentioned they were thinking of starting a business or they were wanting to or they're being made redundant from their job I just want to go like oh, you can do your own thing you could do this you could do this or whatever <laughs> and, I, and I still all these years later I still uh, really love helping women to to create something that's really going to sustain them yeah and really uh, so that it's going to give them the lifestyle that they desire and give them the finances they desire and really do their do their work in the world in a in a much bigger way so yeah yeah, that's me all right I will pop that uh the website into the show notes as well so that people can find you easily and uh just thank you so much for sharing your um your insights today and your vulnerability and um some really inspiring ways of living so thank you so much for joining us Thank you so much, Rochelle. I can't wait to uh, listen to all of your episodes. I think it's incredible what you're doing. It's it's a lot of fun and honestly amazing uh, to be a part of it. So, yeah, thank you. Yes, amazing. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the 50 by 50 podcast. I'm really glad you're here. If you enjoyed today's episode, could you rate and leave a review? This really goes a long way in helping other women to find the podcast. Also, if you have a question about turning 50 or making the most out of life, email me at rochelle at herleadershipway.com. You'll find that address in the show notes and I might be able to address it in an upcoming episode. And I'll see you next episode.